0: Welcome everybody to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. The desert is here, but that does not mean we are dry on our topics du jour. Welcome in. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and I am joined right off the top by the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, good evening. How are you, sir? And how are you feeling the fact that you are vaccinated and you are now free in the NFL as we find out today? Sort of, Free
1: kinda. in the NFL, Johnny. I love it because this means we can interview players coming up in training camp face-to-face. And I love Ooh. that, obviously. Yeah. We can be with them instead of on Zoom. You know, Zoom had its advantages in a way. Because catching up with players at home, for instance, that was nice because they were really comfortable and they were used to the Zoom format and they're younger, so it's been put to me, they are natives to to this technology. (laughs) We are immigrants, right? Yes. And that was really cool. But I'd much rather be face-to-face. I think it's going to be great,
0: and I can't wait. It is going to be great, especially when we get to the games. Now, I am calling this first segment Vander Moments. Ah, this is going to be, this is going to be a recurring theme. (laughs) Vander moments throughout the 2021 season and beyond. There will be times where I'll ask you, was that a Vander moment? So we're going to go through this 17 game schedule. You can expand on some, you can just say a couple words if you want. Okay. You are going to give me a Vander moment from each team on the schedule. Uh With the division teams, you can do a home moment and away moment because I think we've got both for each of them. So let's get to your – now, you being Mark Vandermeer, they're your moments. Okay, my moments. So your favorite moments, and we'll start September 12th against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Liberty Whiteout Day presented by BHP. Your Vander moment is –
1: it's a tie between and look, I've been prepped for this at all at all. Uh, full disclosure. It's a tie between Andre Johnson catch catching running overtime in 2012 in the game in which the Texans were down two yeah. touchdowns in the fourth quarter. and came back and Chad Henney, who is a Texans killer, was unbelievable that day. <laughs> yep. Let the Texans won the game. And 2003, week four, David Carr over the top. Dom Capers says, let's go for the touchdown on fourth and goal, point blank range. You can kick the field goal and go to overtime or go over the top or score a touchdown in any way, shape, or form and win the football game right there. He chose to put Carr over the top, and I loved that at the time, and I still do. So those are the Vander moments from that particular game.
0: All right. Harris moment would be 2019. Justin Reed, stop at the goal line. Very nice. That'd be a good one. Okay, Sunday, September nineteenth at Cleveland. Now, yeah. the non-division opponents. Your moment can be home or away. It doesn't have it doesn't have to be. Yep. It can just be that moment against Cleveland. By the way, my away Jacksonville moment would be. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. I'll wait for the away Jacksonville game to get yeah. my away Jacksonville moment. Yes. But the Cleveland moment would have to be Ryan Mount. Right. Yeah. Brian Malik getting that start, throwing the touchdown pass to Watt. Yep. Watt picking up a couple of penalties for. Did he rough the punter or did he jump early when he, he roughed jumped in him there twice? He, <laughs> rough the <punter> twice. <laughs> he was like, remember LeVar Arrington in college at yes. Penn State was, yes. was harassing punters. In 1999, and then he shows up to the University of Miami at the Orange Bowl, and we're all waiting for it. It was a big showdown. It was really cool. Anyway, Watt jumped in to special teams and brought the punter twice. Uh, That was a win. It was nice. I think we talked about that game recently. So that was a Vander moment.
0: Thursday night, September 23rd. It is Texans care night presented by Chevron against the Carolina Panthers.
1: I love this because this is the first battle red day in 2003. Tony Banks gets the start. The Texans beat the Carolina Panthers, the eventual NFC champions who had played the Super Bowl in this building later on. And I'm going to catch up with Tony Banks this week, I think in a series called where are they now with former Texans players. So that's very good. Texans legends. Where are they now? Banks got the start first battle red day victorious over the carolina panthers at NRG
0: sunday october 3rd at the buffalo bills i mean it's just we just played it i think last friday mm-hmm. but i don't know you you it's your vander moment you you All pick right. it
1: look you i could talk about the playoff game but i'm going to stick to if we've got a vander moment from that site I will stick to that moment. I like it. And I know they won there in 09, but again, I'll go back to 03. David Carr gets hurt. Banks, again, Tony Banks has to come into the game. And the Texans beat the Bills that day in a low-scoring game. And look, this is when victories were rare. I know they were rare last year, too, but they were rare (laughs) back in the early days. When you beat a team on the road, it was huge. And beating the Bills, it was a first trip to Buffalo for the Houston Texans, and it was great to win. That's my Vander moment. Sunday,
0: October 10th versus the New England Patriots. It's Pink Ribbon Day presented by Kroger, Mm. part of NFL Crucial Catch. Mm.
1: Uh, I'll go 0-9, regular season finale, beating them for the first time ever. The first ever winning season clinched with that victory. Brian Hoyer played a couple of series, but Brady played most of the game and the Texans won and were alive for the playoffs when they left the building. But they did not get the help they needed in the late games and had to settle for the winning season. But that was a nice moment. And there haven't been enough of them against the Patriots, although they've won two in a row against New England going into this game this year.
0: The following week, Sunday, October 7th at Indianapolis. Oh, Johnny,
1: Johnny, Johnny.
0: I know this one. You no, know, it. it's
1: 2015. I know. Brandon yes. Whedon replacing uh, Yates, hitting Jalen Strong. We've talked about this one a lot. That's that's probably my favorite all-time Texans win. And I know that's, you know, if you want to go, what's the all-time Vander moment? That is it. Yeah. Look, I know the clincher and the first playoff win and all the great other ones that we talk about, but that one beating yeah. Indy 0-13 heading into that game. Oh. years of frustration lifted. I mean, you're not ever going to get rid of the past, but that was so great to get it on that afternoon.
0: The following weekend, Sunday, October 24th, a reunion with a few guys we know at the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Oh, it's tough for a Vander moment with the Cardinals. I know
0: this. I know this one.
1: But I'm going to go Andre Johnson knocking three people over yes. on his way to the end zone in 0-9. Yes. That was a loss, okay? Yeah. But that was a great moment. Yes. And even in '13, when you're having a bad season, you go out there and he had a couple of toe drag swag t- mm-hmm. catches in the end zone off the arm of Case Keenum. But they were not able to win the game. Boy, it, you know what? They've never won in Arizona, and they got to win in Arizona. And yeah. even in the preseason in 14, we remember Bill O'Brien's debut in that preseason oh. game where everything went wrong that oh. could possibly go wrong. Clowney flashed a little bit that day in his first ever NFL action of any kind. But uh, Arizona's a tough cookie. I'll give you one at home, though, really quick. In 05, the Texans having a horrible season. They were one and whatever. Dan Reeves comes in as the consultant. David Carr calls his own plays. And they beat the Cardinals that day. That was one of their two wins that season. And I thought, all right, now that the consultant's here, Carr is calling his (laughs) own place and we look great. So I don't know. It's kind of like bringing your car to the mechanic and it's broken, but whatever was ailing it is not going wrong at the mechanic's place. Or you go to the doctor and you feel better all of a sudden. That was what that was like.
0: Yeah, it definitely was. Halloween afternoon at home. It will be Kids Day, a celebration of Play 60 presented by Texas Children's Hospital against the L.A. Rams.
1: Do I have a Rams moment? You know, all right. I don't so, know that
0: I, 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 I racked my brain hard. I don't know.
1: All right. They beat the Rams at 9 in St. Louis. And the night yeah. before, we went to Joe and Jack Buck's. Is it both of their restaurant? Or maybe it's Jack Buck's restaurant. Yeah. In St. Louis and on the wall, it says, go crazy, folks, go crazy. That oh, great call, which I think, I think might be the greatest call I've ever heard. Yeah. I, it's one of them for, for sure. I just love it so much. And Jack Buck is just so real. You know, he's just him and he does. He's not affected at all. He just comes from the heart. Anyway, go crazy, folks, go crazy. That visit to the restaurant That's was just one. as memorable to me as the game uh, the next day. Uh, I won't talk about 05 losing to them when Ryan Fitzpatrick came off the bench as a rookie and threw for 300 yards and won the game in overtime. So yeah,
0: we're not going to talk about that one. Sunday, November 7th at the Miami Dolphins. Your Vander moment is.
1: Well, they've had a lot of success against the Dolphins over the years. Uh, I'm going to go back to. I've had three from 03 on this thing. All right. (laughs) Three from 03 because they beat the Dolphins in September. And I've talked about this many times. The Dolphins were almost unbeatable in the month of September at home in their history, and they beat them. Dominic Davis debut, Andre Johnson debut, year two of the franchise, late field goal Chris Brown, fly out of Miami with a win. It was glorious relative to that particular
0: Sunday. It's a good one. By week, November 14th, um, I guess mallet replacing Kitsie 14? <laughs> Maybe 14th. <week> <laughs>
1: by week Playing me golf at Memorial. Yeah. I
0: chipped in on 13th. No, never mind. Uh, go there's got to be something there. Okay. Right. Then we go on the road again, Sunday, November 21st at Tennessee. The at
1: Tennessee, you know what the first thing was that popped into my head? You know, I love the win they had in 19 late slowing down Derek Henry and really taking control of the division on that Sunday, winning it the next week at Tampa Bay. But what first popped into my head was oh, nine week 2 high scoring wild game Mario uh, and the guys kind of having a little skirmish in the bench area (laughs) and Jeff Scanina yeah. Uh, Kevin, Mawai. I mean, just, there was just a lot of chippiness. It was a rivalry. It was great. And it was coming off an opening day loss to the New York jets. Right. So yes. that was, that was a heck of a win that particular Sunday. Yeah. That's that popped into my head first. So I'll go with it.
0: Speaking of the jets Sunday, November 28th at noon, Salute to service day presented by Bud light. It is the New York jets at energy stadium.
1: 2015, Yates getting his first start of that season, and Alfred Blue catching the touchdown pass off the arm of Texans legend Cecil Shorts. I love that day against the New York Jets, because there have been some bad days against the
0: Jets, too. It was a good day at 18 late in the season, but there have been some bad days against the Jets. All right, let's get to a fun one. Sunday, December 5th at noon, Battle Red Day, presented by Matches Firm against the Indianapolis Colts. First thing that popped into my head was Brock,
1: Brock, 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 and <laughs> Brock leading the yeah. comeback, oh, you know, God. hitting Lamar Miller inside the 10 and Lamar Miller, whoop, whoop, gets into the end zone and then they get the ball back and he hits Fedorowicz and they tie the game, send it to overtime. And then he hits Jalen Strong to set up the winning field goal. Brock played well on that night on national TV. It was Andrew Luck against Brock. Brock is 2-0 and against Andrew Luck as a Houston Texan. Take that to the bank, baby. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, exactly. All right. The following week, Sunday, December 12th, is homecoming, which has become one of my favorite weekends, and not because of the corsages, but get to see a <laughs> lot of guys. And now I've got I've got enough tenure, I suppose, that I know a lot of the guys coming back. So it's always fun. And it is the Seattle Seahawks, your Vander moment, and there might only be one against the Seattle Seahawks.
1: Well, there was the one. Win- I know which one it isn't. Yeah. I know the, the win-
0: anti-Vander moment.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the win in 09 at home with Hasselbeck. There's a great uh, gigantic blown up picture somewhere in somebody's office here on the business side of things uh, where Andre Johnson's catching a a bomb from Matt Schaub and Hasselbeck, who is still the quarterback for the Seahawks then, is standing in the background looking like he smelled bad (laughs) cheese. And it's a wonderful picture. And that was the start of four consecutive wins to end the 9 season. And we talked about the ending game against the Patriots. Anyway, that jumped out at me. But we know there have been the heartbreaker, right, in 2017 up there with Watson and Wilson going Uh, at it. And, of course, the ultimate heartbreaker, uh, one of the top three most painful losses in the history of the franchise, 2013, Richard Sherman. That's all I have to say about that. Oh,
0: man. All right, Sunday, December 19th. Four days after my anniversary, I get to return to the site of my wedding at Jacksonville. Well, there have been so
1: many there. You know, Watson taking the bus was a big one, obviously. We'll never forget that. We'll never forget Brock winning a game there with 99 passing yards somehow, (laughs) some way. It's not like you've always won in Jacksonville. 13 was painful. That was the night uh, that preceded the day Kubiak was fired. yeah. You know, the Hail Mary in 2010, but the Vander moment, I'll go back to year one. Okay, that was the first road win for the Houston Texans beating Jacksonville. And they had the trickery of I believe it was Gaffney catching the punt and throwing it to Aaron Glenn on a lateral and he ran it into field goal range. They kicked the field goal, Chris Brown, and they got out of there with a victory. And I'll never forget that day coming back because we had to switch planes because of plane trouble, but nobody minded. It was like blissful traveling home with a victory year one. So I'll go with that one.
0: Yeah. It was kind of like flying back from London in some sense. It was blissful. Um, How How about
1: this one though, from Jacksonville in 06 Kubiak, getting the win with sage rosenfels in the game why was he in the game did car get shaken up or something but he went for it on fourth down in his own territory to ice the game wow. and i'll never forget that because he never did anything like that again <laughs> <If> Gary's <laughs> listening right now he's like yep you're right i never did anything like that." Again. but that was
0: really cool at the time sunday december 26th the day after christmas the la chargers Come to town for Deep Steel Sunday presented by Hyundai. Your Vander Moment. This one actually, I think one of the two Vander Moments, either one comes from California, but that's okay.
1: I think you're right because it would be the Monday Nighter, or the second part of the doubleheader in yep. 2013 when Cushing got the pick six and they're down 28 to seven and they roar back to win the game. It wasn't even in overtime. They got a late field goal yep. to win that contest. Randy Bullock kicked it, right? Is yeah, it- Randy Bullock kicked it. To me, it's yep. either
0: that one. Or 2019 when we played them in L.A. Yeah, that Either was one. cool
1: because I don't think we, naked. Beat, we haven't beaten them at home. I don't think and, so. And there have been some rough days. 2010, rough oh, day. 2016, rough horrible, day. terrible Huggages, day. 2004, Drew Brees and the Chargers, and the lights go out in the second half, just poof. Total power failure just for a few oh. seconds, but it was weird. Yeah. Lights came back on, lost the opener of the season in 2004. Drew Brees, the rest is history.
0: Okay. This one, boy, I don't know. Maybe there is one. Mm-hmm. Sunday, January 2nd, week 17 at San Francisco. Uh, is there? <laughs> is there one?
1: Uh Look, you lost to them. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's Candlestick Park in 05 lost the Reggie Bush Bowl January Uh 1st. Right. 2013 was the next time they went there. They lost that one on Sunday Night Football. Shop picked six to open the game. It was a nightmare. It was a total nightmare, Johnny. That followed up the Seattle game. So yep. that is nightmarish days out there. Now you go back there for the first time. It's only the third trip to San Francisco in the history of the franchise this wow. year. Wow, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hmm. you've beaten them at home. You've been able to do that. I mean, 09, uh, you had a victory over the Mike Singletary coached 49ers. As right. Alex Smith in the second right. half came off the bench to throw three touchdown passes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yep. to Vernon Davis, I believe. But they lost, the 49ers lost a game that day. Texans got that victory and, you know, I mean, there's just not a whole lot there with the 49ers, uh, but you have so much history with the two staffs and everything like that. So uh, I think that's going to be a cool one to go out there and play. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget the preseason. Op- was it the opener in 2016? 2016. Yep. We went out yeah. there for a few days for practice. Yeah. And and the practices look good. You know, that's another thing. Brock in those practices with the 49ers looked he real good. Looked great. I remember oh, we were thinking, oh. oh, this is it. It's coming around now. It's starting yep. to come around. And, and and you won that preseason game. And did John Simon have the scoop and score, yep, I believe? sure did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan Scarlett flashed in the opener. And Steven Anderson with his mom in the stands making those noises.
0: <laughs> <and> <laughs> That's a pretty good moment from the pre- preseason, no doubt. I'll yeah. never forget the look on the San Francisco 49ers DB's faces After they gave up a deep ball to Will Fuller, I'll never forget it. They looked at each other like, What just happened? And you know, Will, Will just kind of jogged, flipped the ball to the coach, and just kept on going. And they were looking at each other, and I'll never forget, they were right next to me. And I saw this look of, Oh my God, that guy's fast. I mean, it was just, it was hilarious. And leads me to week 18, Mm -hmm. Sunday, January 9th, fan appreciation day presented by Verizon against the Tennessee titans
1: what stands out to me about the titans i would say the massive blowout was 57 of 13 uh, yeah 57 the,
0: 14 i think
1: yeah against the titans in 2017 that stands out there have been many though look oh four here's the thing it took them a while to beat the titans but in 04, they swept them and one of the victories was here steve mcnair And it was a bizarre thing. It was seven and nine in 2004. The Texans did, and they had two victories over the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Those stand out. It's a weird series with the Titans because you've had a few games where a team's totally out of it week 17, or the other team doesn't really need it. Now the Titans needed it last year, but the Texans have played the Titans like two or three times in the last day of the season and not needed the game. So it's, it's kind of a strange series, but Look, they are a rival. It's a division team and uh, a lot of memories. Many of them up there, of course.
0: I will give you my Harris moment, and it includes you, Mark Vandermeer, 2018. Oh, oh of course. What am I saying? Yeah. Lamar Miller to the house. That one's yes. for you, Bob. Every time I hear that clip and I see that play, I think of you, I think of Bob, and I just think of that night and how just magical it was. Somebody... That's got to be Vandermeer moment for sure.
1: You know, it is. and um, I, I almost don't even think of the opponent for that. And I should, yeah. because somebody the other day was saying, what's the best call you've ever made. And I thought, well, you're the best moment. No, the best call. And I, I think that's the best call I've ever made. And, uh, because I just, I felt it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was Bob and it was the memory. And yeah. it was the, you know, they, prov- the Texans provided that incredible moment as a 97 <laughs> yard yeah. touchdown run. So you hope you're ready for it. And, um, so it might be my favorite, and uh, it, that night was so special to be able to beat that team, the former Oilers, on a night where we celebrate the life of Mr. McNair. Yeah. Uh, that's unforgettable. Yeah, that's I just I, cool. I forget about the Titans sometimes that yeah. they were the opponent, but that makes it extra special.
0: That's it, absolutely now. The week before that, against the Washington Football Team, Justin Reed took one 101 yards to the house. Drew Doherty is going to stop by. We're going to discuss Justin Reed and soccer next, right here, on Texas All-Access. Access. Access. Welcome back, everybody, to this Wednesday edition of Texas All-Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It's time to talk about safeties and soccer. Uh, yeah. I'll let you listen to how we put these two together, Drew Doherty and myself, on In the Lab this week.
2: I enjoy soccer from time to time. I'm not (laughs) going to pretend I'm like the biggest fan and know everything. I don't, I don't, Yeah. but I love me some euros, which -hmm. is going on right now. I love me the the world cup. Yep. Uh, So in June around the office, every two years here, it's been fun going back to 2010 when the world cup was going on and USA uh, went pretty deep, but I love soccer. I think you like soccer to a degree, right? You
0: know, it's interesting when I was first in, in coaching. My best player, one of my favorite players I ever coached. He's got to be a great friend. I mean, he's like my little brother in some sense. He was my star tailback and linebacker, secondary, whatever I needed him to be. I mean, he was just a phenomenal player, but he was also a great soccer player. Oh. And I used, to, I mean, I used to just give him the business about soccer because he would come practice with us for two hours and 15 minutes or so Get in a car. His dad would take him across Jacksonville and then he'd go play club soccer that night. Mm. And I just couldn't understand how he could do it.
2: The shape and, he must've been in not to interrupt, but the oh, shape he must've oh, been in to do that. It was incredible. It was unbelievable.
0: And I just finally got to a point where I was like, I just looked at him and said, cause if I pushed him, he probably would've gone soccer cause he ended up playing at Furman For a team, he was the captain for a team that ended up at one point third in the country. Yeah, they're always good at soccer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Clint Dempsey played there. Clint Dempsey was a junior senior when uh no, Dempsey was a young guy when Andy was a was a senior. Hmm. So they had they've had some players there. And so he was a great soccer, but I used to just rip him about soccer. And back then, couldn't have cared less, could not have cared less about soccer. But as you are on Twitter, you start seeing, you know. People talking about Premier League, you know, like, what is this Premier League? Like, what is going on? And then trying to figure out, like, what do they talk about in in late May with, like, I thought Premier League was over. Why are they talking about this Liverpool comeback? Like, what's going on? I couldn't figure out Champions League, any of that. So then I watched a documentary on Manchester City, uh, All or Nothing. They do the NFL one. So you know what? I'm going to watch the soccer one. I'm going to give it an episode and see if I like it. I fell in love with it within five minutes. Manchester City became my team. I love Pep Guardiola. Then I started paying more attention to Premier League. And then I figured out the whole Champions League thing. So I've become a much, much bigger soccer fan. Like, I, I texted Andy. I tell you, his name's Andy. I texted Andy and I said, can you believe that your old coach is sitting down and watching every single second of the Champions League final? Huh. He texted back just laughing like <laughs> times have changed. So, yeah, I, I could sit down and watch. Uh, Premier League, Champions League, Europa—I mean, Euros. I mean, it's—I can watch it all now, whereas before, you know, and I, I know players like I just had a conversation with our intern Alex a little while ago. We were talking about we we're talking about Man City and talking about uh, the English the English national team because Raheem Sterling plays for Manchester City and he's playing for the English national team, and I'm saying, okay, well, wh- who wasn't playing? Who was injured? He's oh Trent uh, Trent Arnold Alexander. Alexander Arnold and I'm like, oh man, he didn't have a great year. Like, I could actually have a conversation about soccer. <laughs> you knew too, your stuff when came to that. That's yeah, funny. so uh, yeah, you, you know, and you
2: and you and Vandermeer went to a game when when the Texans oh, were in London. So
0: we that did. Was, that was, that a, was a blast. That was that was um, that Tottenham? was the Champion League. Yeah, that was top. Uh, no, that was uh, Fulham. Fulham. They they had been relegated down, but that year we saw. So we saw them in November. And they got beat. It was so funny because they got beat. And so we were wearing Texans gear, and so people would see us, and they would they apologize. Like fans, leaving them, they apologized to us. Like, oh, we're sorry. You had to watch that nonsense. They got beat three 0 not three nil, three nothing. And they went on and won the tournament at the end of the year, basically to move up to Premier League. And they spent huh. this year in the Premier League. Unfortunately, they're going to get relegated back down to champion, uh, championship division uh, for this next year. But Uh, that's Shad Khan's team. And so we, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was cold. It was raining. We were sitting in a box like you would expect Mark and I to sit. And we had a, we had a blast. I mean, we had a blast. And I was like, I so totally want to come back for Liverpool, Manchester, you know, something like that. Premier League final, World Cup, and hopefully we'll have World Cup in our building uh, in a few years. I've got it where I love Premier League soccer. I follow some of the international soccer in other areas, you know, League One. Uh, La Liga, etc. So, yeah, I've really kind of turned the corner as it pertains to soccer. Yeah,
2: I studied in Madrid in 1998, and that team in Real Madrid that year, they went on to win the Champions League. It's the first time yeah. they have won it since the 60s. Plus, Atletico Madrid, yeah, they had this guy named Christian Vieri who led the league in scoring. He had like 30 goals on He was he was pouring them in. So I was there at a real fun time, and that got me hooked on soccer to a yeah. to a larger extent than I had been before. But why are these two bozos yammering on about <laughs> soccer? They, they work for the Houston Texans. Well, the Texans have a safety named Justin Reed. He's one of the more notable names on the roster right now and had a promising start to his career. Like everybody else on this team last season, saw his share of struggles, uh, but he's invigorated. He's excited. He's pumped for next year. He also has a great soccer background and he played it all the way up I think in high school and when we were at the Greenbrier a few years ago, he was screwing around with a soccer ball and juggling it and <laughs> dribbling it. He's really good at it. So I thought, let's talk about this guy. Cause I kind of think he's in line to certainly play better than last year and really excel. It looks like this defense is something, you know, he can really excel in because there's a lot of stuff working in his favor. A, just simply, it's, he had a bad year last year, you can improve. B, his safeties coach, Greg Jackson, is a guy who coached his big brother, Eric Reed. And Jackson had That's some right. really interesting yeah. things to say last week when he met with the media. Said, uh, you know, Justin reminds him a lot of Eric in the way he processes information stuff. He said Justin's a lot faster, though, as far as speed yep. on the field. And Eric is kind of an old school safety, whereas Justin is a new school Hybrid type of safety. And he thinks, uh, you know, he thinks Justin can can do great, great things as far as a leader in this defense. And Justin has been very upfront, you know, in talking about Lovey Smith's defense, you know, hey, it's going to give us a chance to make plays, to get turnovers. And, you know, I can't wait to see what happens. And I knew you were the perfect guy to talk to about this because you played the position. We both have a good relationship with Justin. And I cannot wait to see what he can do because, you know, you know, last year is not representative of who he is as a player. Probably, I think you know, this team would probably say it's not representative of who they are as a team, but you know he's aiming and after some bigger and better things in 2021, John.
0: No doubt. And it's interesting you bring up soccer because if, if parents came to me and said, look, we'd like, our, we'd like our kid to be a football player down the road. How should we do it? I would tell them, Go play flag football all the way through maybe, maybe junior high. Maybe, maybe you know, at least seventh grade. And if you have a good junior high football team, that's when you start playing tackle. That's fine. But play flag football and play soccer. Because flag football is going to get you to a spot where you I, – I played flag football after I played tackle football. And I bring all this up especially at the safety position, because I thought playing flag football was way harder than playing tackle football. Where I had to be to be able to make a tackle, athletically, the position I had to be in to pull a flag, the hand-eye coordination to track the hip where the flag was, Mm -hmm. was so incredibly hard. And I think that's, playing flag football is massive you do it as a young kid I think it helps you I think playing soccer is massive the feet the dexterity one-on-one abilities to match and mirror especially playing defensive back I think those two sports I mean first of all play as many sports as you can but I think soccer and flag football will really help guys playing safety now oh but wait safety you got to come up and hit and do all that look you can that's something that you can acquire you can learn And it really just becomes, you know, kind of guts. Like, do you want to become a physical hitter, et cetera? But the feet, being a position, hip movement, all that kind of stuff, I think you learn it without a doubt in soccer and flag football. Then start picking up tackle football once you get into seventh, eighth grade uh, and beyond. For Justin, I think it's really paid off. Because over the years, he's understood how he can be a, a box guy when he has to move down in the box, play the run, how he fits in the run uh, scheme. It's going to be interesting now with the change in scheme, how that changes. But you also, you, you also know, if you love me, Smith, hey, this guy's done it before. He's gone down in that box. He's taken on you know, fullbacks, H-backs, tight ends, uh, and played off of them to go make tackles. I think if there's anything from last year that really stood out to me and it wasn't just Justin, but I thought across the board, I thought our tackling stunk and that's one thing that's really got to get better, but that isn't just going out and hitting a bunch of trees and, Oh, I've got to hit the big heavy bag. No, it's, it really is about feet. It's about intelligence. It's about reading and deciphering plays and blocking schemes. It's all those kind of things. And then it's just, Finishing the tackle and the finish is maybe the hardest part. And a lot of that can come that that comes kind of from flag football, the finish. Um, And there were a lot of times guys didn't finish tackles. And I know Justin will tell you uh, because he was kind of raked over the coals for it uh, against Cleveland last year. The run of, of Nick Chubb down the sideline that essentially ended that game. He really took that to heart like he had made that mistake. Look, he could have made the tackle. Sure. Uh, and everybody misses one, there's no doubt. Yeah, there were there was a lot of non-help along the way, if you will, um, that particular day and a lot of days against the run. But because Justin has such great feet, he has the ability to cover. He has the ability to cover tight ends. He has the ability to cover uh, guys in the slot. I'm curious to see how this scheme manifests itself for safeties. Because, uh, you know, if Coach Smith decides that, you know, we want to stay with our seven, you know, seven man front, our four down and three linebackers, you know, safeties may not be as involved um, in, in run defense. So they can focus a little bit more on on pass coverage. They will truly be secondary contained. There'll be some opportunities when you get to nickel and dime, where you have to be primary contained uh, as a safety or as a star, um, the nickel basically. So Justin's a guy that can do all of that. I think the biggest thing, And we know that Justin has every physical tool. We know mentally he's as sharp as it gets. We know from a leadership standpoint, guys uh, follow him. We've seen all that before. But last year, I don't know that that crew on that side of the ball was really uh, ready, able and willing to do all of that across the board. That's going to put obviously some more onus on, on Justin to be able to get that out of guys this year but I think there are enough vets that have been around that are going to be able to foster that across the board. Like, Hey, you should be listening to him. Hey, young dude, that's a guy you should listen to look how successful he's been. Um, I think Justin having a better year and obviously everybody said, well, it's contract year and whatever. Yeah. Like I I get all that. I, I get that. I've never been struck by Justin Reed that he is motivated other by anything other than the team success and how much better he improves as a player every single day, every single minute. That's to me what drives him. And oh, by the way, yeah, the results are he's a really good player and he's going to get paid. To me, he is more concerned about how does he take care of his body? How does he make himself better for the team? How does he make himself a better player that can help the team get wins, etc. cetera? So um, that to me is what uh, i i love about justin but one final thing about that thing at cleveland i love the edge that he has he plays with an edge like there's like there's this idea nah, that's the right way of saying this not an idea there his thought is he's the baddest mofo on that field and i like that i like that now he's not going to tell you that but you can see it in the way he plays you can see the way he carries himself. He's the baddest man on that field. Mm-hmm. And I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. And if that permeates the entire defense, then rock on. But I think one thing that I, I, I heard um, Coach Jackson say, and I can't remember if he said this about Lonnie or Justin, but Justin was asked to do a lot the first three years. I mean, a lot. Move now here, he doesn't have move to think there. as
2: much. Yeah, right. He says, and, like, this This is a much simpler defense in that regard. Which And and from that perspective, Drew,
0: we all know, like, as soon as you have down – I mean, how many TV shows have you done? I mean, you could do a TV show in your sleep, man, because you've done it so often. And, and throughout that time, you have learned how the – you know, the nuanced things to make you, you know, the best TV reporter, or the best TV host there is. Like, you've learned all that. I think Justin – has done it at safety, but he's asked to do so much. If now he can just focus on being a true safety. I think that is going to make him an even more effective piece. And then once you get to the sub package stuff, then you can figure out what his role uh, is is clearly going to be. And maybe you find one kind of like, you know, Anthony, Weaver found last year with Justin. I remember the game after the Browns game was the Patriots game and he was phenomenal in that game because he blitzed a little, he dropped in coverage a little. I mean, he did a little bit of everything in that game and it really, It really showed, and it really uh, paid off, and that's the Justin Reed hopefully we're going to be able to see for 17 games plus this year. It's hard to imagine Justin Reed going into his fourth season already. It feels like he just got here, but he is going to be a key piece for this defense in 2021. No questions about it. With all that he can provide, playing the run, playing in coverage, playing man, blitzing, all different things he can do, And when he is healthy, he can be a game changer for this D and for Lovey Smith this year. So looking forward to that. All right, we're going around the NFL, and some new protocols have come down. And we're going back to 2019, baby, and that's a good thing. Next on Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. we got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access from Monday Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host. So glad to be with you, football analyst, satellite reporter, and FV. Fully vaccinated, which leads me and why I brought it up to today's news coming from the NFL and the NFLPA. These two groups have agreed upon COVID-19 protocols for training camps and preseason games. This is enormous. Now, being FV fully vaccinated is huge. Here's why. For those fully vaccinated... There's going to be no daily testing, no face coverings, and you don't, and that whether it's team travel or not, now we're going to Green Bay, we're going to Dallas, and then Tampa Bay comes here for the three preseason games. But you're essentially back to, I don't want to say all the way back to normal, but you're kind of back to 2019, which is cool. For those that aren't, including players, they are prohibited from gathering outside club facilities or team travel. NFL players who are not fully vaccinated will be barred from going to nightclubs, bars, house parties, concerts, etc. Failure to follow protocols could result in fines of fifty grand for a first offense. One difference that could be a pretty big deal is that fully vaccinated individuals who have been exposed to coronavirus-positive people will not be labeled a high-risk close contact, so it will not be subject to a mandatory 5-day isolation. Not vaccinated, um, it's going the other direction, uh, if you will. So you're not going to, for you know, those that are fully vaccinated, you're going to see a lot of things that appear normal or a whole heck of a lot different than 2020. A lot of this also has to do with us in the media, and for us, this isn't one of those. Ah, we get to do this. You don't know. This is one of those things where we get to interview players face to face, do in-person interviews, and then bring those to you. And we do that a lot. Of, a lot of that here on Texas All Access, um, and we hope you enjoy that. And that's a, I don't want to say you know perk of the job, but it's kind of nice to do in-person interviews with NFL players and you know project the message out to you guys. That will be able to happen again this year. Now we'll have to stay socially distant, et cetera. But that's a good thing. One other aspect that impacts you, the fans, the fans can attend training camps. They will be allowed to attend training camps. The caveat, they must be more than 20 feet away from Tier 1 staff, including players, and adhere to physical distancing. So, yes, it's not totally perfect on that realm. Not all the way there just yet with the fans. But pretty darn close, at least through the preseason. And the thought is, most places, and I know we've talked about that here, it'll be 100% uh, capacity in the stadium. But the fans are removed, obviously, from the players up in the stands, etc. My hope is that I'm not in my moat, that I actually can be on the sidelines. And it looks like we're headed in that direction for 2021. But there will be an opportunity for fans to be at practices as long as they're 20 feet away, which the way the Texans have training camp set up, I think that's going to be absolutely and completely possible. Now it might change a few of the configurations, but I'll tell you this. One of the things that I really, really missed last year in training camp, and I didn't think I would really feel this way too much because it's so chaotic at training camp. I, Kind of felt like, hey, you know, fans, hey, you know, we'll will we'll survive. It was almost naked, with no fans. I mean, there have been so many times where I've been watching something on one field and I hear the cheers from the other field, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? It it just it adds such a different dimension to practice. I mean, even at the Greenbrier, there was there were small crowds when we were there, and that was just enough to kind of give it some energy. But when it's at home here in Houston, and the fans provide a ton of energy for those particular practices, and the fans are allowed back in 2021, the caveat being 20 feet away, but I think we can get there on that. Point being, being fully vaccinated in the NFL world is a good thing, and allowing those players, staff, you know, people like me, uh, and others to kind of go about their business as we had been going about it 2019 and prior to. Go on the road, we can go out to eat instead of staying in our hotel room and doing those kind of things. And uh, yeah, Look, I know you, know, you John, you can miss me with that whole travel thing. And you Just well, whenever you're used to something and then it changes, uh, it's a little different. And hopefully we can get close to normal being fully vaccinated. So I would imagine the league with these protocols and the NFLPA essentially saying, hmm, if you're not vaccinated, get going get it done. and Hopefully, players, staff, and fans will get that done uh, before we get to training camp in late July. Big thanks to Mark, to Drew, to all of you for listening, Joanna for producing.
2: You guys are the best. We'll see you tomorrow, and as always, go Texans.